time for Lickin' On Lending. Welcome, everybody. Good to have you with us. Welcome to Lickin' On Lending, a weekly mortgage market update providing up-to-the-minute information on interest rates, loan programs, and hot industry news, all related to the mortgage industry. Brought to you by Transformational Mortgage Solutions. To participate in today's program, our guest call in line is 646-716-4972. Now here's your host of Lickin' On Lending, David Lickin. Let's begin. In today's hot topic, we've got Pete Gabrione. Pete is 16 years in the mortgage industry. His current role is the Chief Operating Officer. He was the co-founder of Midwest Equity Mortgage, LLC. Uh, that opened its doors in 2007, right after the mortgage world began to collapse. He was using his guiding principle as failure isn't an option. If you meet this Italian, i got to tell you, really understand failure is not an option. He and his brothers are survivors. Pete and his partner were able to navigate through the, uh, investigate what the problems were, navigate through the troubled times during the 2007 to the 2009 timeframe. The company experienced Unlike many others, they experienced some tremendous growth, and they opened a new market, growing the volume eventually to over $1.5 billion in 2016 and 17. And in the summer of 2018, Pete and his partner met David, good friend David Robnett, and Robnett picked up their company, bought the company, and now they're on to doing some pretty exciting things. We got an interesting perspective today. We have someone who sold his company and is now a part of a bigger entity that is out buying companies. So please join me as we get into a discussion about mergers and acquisitions with Pete Gabrione. Pete, good to have you here, friend. Thanks for having me, David. I appreciate it very much. It's a real honor. I have so much respect for you, your brother, your whole team. Actually, what you're doing now with David Robnett. So let's get right into that, talking about why did you select David Robnett to sell to? He's a great guy, and I love David, and I, I love his vision. He's a character. I see him. He plays more golf than he works, but he, he's, a, he's a visionary. But that's what I saw. What did you see? Well, it's funny you, you uh, use that word because that's definitely, you know, I would say the number one reason. He does have a vision. He was essentially zigging when everyone else was zagging. And, you know, this was end of 17 when we started talking. Everyone knows where rates were at that time, beginning of yeah. 18, and, and everyone's volumes were declining. And that's when he said he wanted to go out and buy a, a mortgage bank that was already licensed. He specifically was looking for what we, we do or did, and that was consumer direct, and those channels are still going today, to pair with his retail vision, retail model. And that was really it. You, know, you brought up our history a little bit. What was really interesting to me was when I thought back to when we opened our company, we knew full well when we were opening at the start of 2007 because we'd been in the industry for years prior to that, that, you know, this is a heck of a time to start our own company, but something about it said, you know what? We have no legacy business right now. Yeah. Everyone else is going to yeah. be in a world of hurt in the next couple of years. If, if we start our own entity and we do it right with, with no subprime, with all a paper loans, I think we're, we could actually survive. And now we stayed very slim for a few years to make it through, but that was essentially us, you know, going against the grain and doing something different. And when uh, David Robnett uh, approached us, that's essentially what I saw was he's got a vision that we had 12 years ago. 
And, you know, that is really, you know, there were some other things. Number one, he comes from a family business. Robnet Farms was his family business. They own a ton of land in, in southern central Illinois. He knows what it's like to employ people for years and years that essentially become like family to you. And as a 50% owner of a company that had whatever, however many employees we had at the time, which was probably about 125 employees, you know, you're worried about, okay, I have all these employees. I sell my company. What's going to happen to them? And that was a major part of it was making sure that we were, you know, essentially selling to and partnering with someone that cared about people and that understood that dynamic that we're not just going to sell the company and then have you get rid of everyone to replace them with, you know, whoever you want to bring in. Yeah, he was really conscientious about it. And I was very fortunate that he retained me to get to work with you during that transition. It was such a fun meeting a couple of years ago up in Chicago. We sat there, and David cared about the people, which is, I think, ultimately the success of the, the, the really the the undergirding of any successful story is caring about the people, both your employees and your customers. He did, and then it's that contrarian thinking, thinking like everyone's going this way. Hmm, what if there's not an opportunity in the other direction? Let's talk a little bit about his business model, and what is it about it that you found appealing? Absolutely. I I think there's two main points here. The first one was our old business model was extremely centralized. Almost everything came back to myself, my business partner, or our general counsel. So anytime there were problems, you know, a disagreement over a commission or whatever it was, it always came back to one of the three of us. And uh, Dave's model is the complete opposite of that. It is essentially a bunch of divisions with skin in the game that are essentially all running their own business under our umbrella. And that Mm, to me was extremely appealing because you're asking 100 plus employees to control expenses when they're not paid on the bottom line. It's really hard for them to get behind that. You're asking salespeople who aren't paid on a P&L to, you know, watch, hold the line on pricing and watch the leakage. They don't really care. They just want their basis points. And in this model where you're bringing in, you know, people that are investing in the company and then getting, you know, pay, being paid on a, on a P&L basis, they care about every nickel and dime that is spent. And it has led to some really great things happening. And that's, from years and years ago, that's really how I got started in the business world was in that type of personal accountability model. So when I heard about the, you know, the personal accountability and the decentralized structure of the company, both of those things were extremely appealing to me, uh, paired with Dave's vision for retail and how we would grow that and who you know, was already interested in coming aboard. Yeah. You, know, you put those things together and you know, it's, it's been... Uh, Nothing short of shocking to see some of the developments that we've made. It is truly extraordinary, the growth that you guys are having. You had then, and then now where it's going. And it's been a year since you sold out to David, and you've really morphed into what you're becoming. Give our listeners a little insights into what that's been like, Pete. It's a great question. You know, it's, it's funny. I, you know, and I've, I've talked to Dave about this before. You know, you you have a company for a dozen years, you sell it, and all of a sudden, the next day, you're an employee. I would be less yeah. than honest if I didn't say there weren't 
a couple months there where you drive into work and you're trying to figure out what the hell's going on and like where what is my place here these people no longer answer to me or my business partner i know i'm answering yeah. to someone how is this all going to work and so the the first couple months there's no doubt we're we're probably more in my head than anything else but it's challenging you're trying to figure out what your role is what's been probably the best development over the last year or so is to see the executive team that Dave has built to see guys like Scotty Pickle and Jerry Kaplan come aboard. Eric Meadow was already there and he's a big part of, uh, of the transition. He paired us, you know, with David Robnett and his brother, Scott, but you know, that whole, the development of that team has been absolutely fantastic. You know, I, I will steal one of your, Things. I use it all the time and I absolutely love it. And it's the, you know, if you're not rubbing, you're not racing. Uh, yep. <laughs> and we use it all the time in our exec meetings and to, just to challenge each other in a professional manner when someone states an opinion and we will usually say, okay, we're going to rub a little bit here, you know, to, you know, to get the other person ready for, I'm going to test that theory a little bit because I don't think that you are seeing all sides of this. That's been the coolest part, to be part of a group like that that is really seeing the vision for, hey, we have all of these separate divisions that are all essentially running their own model. But us as corporate, we have got to provide the support and the infrastructure and all of the technology that these groups need so that, you know, we can essentially put their profitability on steroids because we're the ones that are controlling, you know, the umbrella, so to speak. So that has been very, very cool. You know, I have kind of, with my operations background, have really morphed into more of a quality control position. And, you know, people hear quality control and think, oh, you know, that's just something you got to do. And I would challenge anyone with that assumption because mm-hmm. any any company that wants to stay around for the long haul yeah. you better know exactly how your sausage is being made and what the quality of it is every time it comes out the other end and that that's a big part that. of what i spend my time doing is what is the quality of our production? Is it right? Is, does it meet the standard of what we need to do? Yes, we have Fannie Mae standards and FHA and, and everyone else's. And yes, we definitely will meet those, but we have our own standards. So and, good. And that's really that's good. Where, where my focus is. Let's get out to Alice and then we're going to go over to you, Joe. Alice, when you hear that, these standards, that's one of the things that you're big on, trying to create those standards. Any questions you have for Pete specifically down those lines? Yeah, absolutely. Well, Pete, congratulations on all of that. You know, we've, I've been on both sides myself, selling my company, and then, you know, here at Union Home, we've had two acquisitions just in the time I've been here. So, so it sounds like you're about a year in. Is that, is that correct? Yeah, a little over. We uh, closed in August of uh, 18, so about, I guess, 15 months now. About 15 months in. So, you know, that's still, at least uh, from what we've seen on both sides, you're just kind of getting to that point of, you know, so Dave, you're asking me to talk about quality. Do you, after 15 yeah. months, what do you feel is still out there that you, you need to kind of still work on, right? Because it, it takes a long time to go through these types of changes and mergers. And, and getting everyone on the same page about loan quality is usually one of the big ones. 
Yeah, no, no question. Great. It's a good one, Alice. And that's truly it, is getting that consistency throughout the divisions to get everyone to understand the standard of, of what our expectations are. Um, and, you know, there are certainly challenges that come along with that. But similar to what I had said about the exec team, there are also some really good things that come out of that where people are raising their hand and saying, hey, you guys are saying to do it this way, but, you know, in the past, we, we did it this way. And our approach to that is always, okay, well, let's investigate it. That Maybe we're wrong in how we've been doing it. Let's dig in a little bit. Yeah. And with several of the groups that we've brought in, they've raised questions about things that were practices before that once we dug in, we said, you know what? Either let's scrap that, it's no longer needed, or let's revamp that because things have changed, or we're looking at this the wrong way. And that's really one of the larger challenges is just getting the consistency across all groups to understand that, you know, yes, you know, this loan may be saleable, but it does not meet our standard. Okay, so this is what our standard is. Getting everybody on that same page is definitely one of the bigger challenges. Alice, I'm chuckling. How many times have you watched companies go, I know this doesn't meet the Fannie Mae standard, but can you do this anyway? So they're one exception to the reverse. It's refreshing to hear that someone actually has a identified standard. I know that goes on a lot at Union Home, but this is good. That's good. All right, Joe, what question? you've done yeah. a lot of M&A. As a, you've been involved in it. You understand that. What questions do you have for our good friend well, Pete? Yeah, I wanted to go back to what Pete said about personal accountability and, and being paid on the bottom line, and I, that is so important. And I think you're very lucky to have found a person like you described that would do that. We've yeah. done a deal. If it weren't based on that, if it were a bank saying, you know, I'm going to do all your HR, I'm going to do all this, I'm going to do all that, was that a prerequisite to you before you pursued a deal with this buyer? The the personal accountability was not a prerequisite, but going to a bank had zero appeal to me. Okay. It just yeah, it's it's mostly you know I don't know if you know use the you know a ten dollar you know or a, a phrase everyone used, but culture is just extremely important to me, and it always has been for years until my HR person almost had a heart attack. We would not let <laughs> our employees clock in and out. We wouldn't let them. I just trusted them. Whatever it was, you just put your hours in. And the reason was, I just feel like that's just like, you know, like you're, you're nickel and diming your employees. You're making them clock in and out like they're working at a factory. And that is just one example of culture is, to me is critical. We spend more time with the people at work than we do with our family. So creating that culture is just critical. And that was part of what I felt would stay the same. I mean, quite honestly, it's actually gotten better. Because obviously when, you know, when we sold, that was a, not the greatest time in the mortgage industry. And a lot of what David has brought in has revitalized a lot of our staff. I mean, it's been super refreshing to see people that saw, wow, you know, we, we, we were rocking and 16 and 17, and then we really slowed down and you guys hung with us. And now we're crushing it again. And now we're busier than, than all get out but they don't complain because they've seen the dark side. And so now they're just like, hey, this is great. We're, we're staying busy. You know, this, this is the way that, that uh, we like it. That's good. So let's talk about some of the challenges that you're facing today. What do, you, what do you think is some of the more daunting challenges out there? Yeah, 
Yeah, great question. And I think it was Alan that was talking earlier, you know, with the tech report. Yeah. It's, it's technology. And number one, it's finding the best technology partners. And number two, prioritizing how do I integrate them into our systems to get them to work, to get them to accomplish what we want to accomplish? We are not looking, I think everyone knows in the industry, there is no cure-all or panacea for mm-hmm. and any of the problems we face. So we are just always constantly looking for incremental improvement. How can we knock five minutes off of a closer's you know, time on each file or five minutes on a post-closers, you know, handling of a file. And for me, that challenge is identifying the correct, whether it's automation or technology or whatever it is, that is going to solve for that and help push us forward because everyone has ideas. I saw this company, I saw that company, do a demo with them, but being able to break it down and figure out which one is going to be most valuable to us to me at least, is most important. And and it really dovetails right into quality control because with the proper technology, you can, in essence, you know, minimize your risk on the quality control side by ensuring that, you know, you don't have fat fingered stuff, you don't have numbers getting transposed, and that, you know, you can get through those quality uh, review checks much faster through OCR technology and things like that. So, to me, it's, it's all technology-based in terms of challenges. Like one person said, we've got technology indigestion. We're trying to bring in all these systems, and we can't get them to work. And, you know, I just bought a new smart TV. I mean, it's an OLED, and it's one of the newest ones, and it's, a, it's got all these features. And I'm going, crap, there's so much to learn about just this new TV. I can talk to it, ask it to get me to the right channels, but you have to program that. Another friend of mine just bought a new Mercedes. He says, this has got more technology. It's going to take me the whole time I own this darn thing to be able to figure it out. It's all there. So I think it's a really good point is bringing the right technology in is one thing. Getting it to work is another thing, especially in the acquisition mode. Talk about how you find all the various parts of technology because different ones you are acquire a company, they love this piece, that piece. Is there any guiding principle, Pete, that you use to work through that? It's a great question, though. It's a great point, too. And and I really should have said that because there are a ton of great, or at least seem like great technology, but where the rubber meets the road is you turn it on live, do your people love it and can they easily adapt to it? Or is it does it already present more challenges for them and is not easy to use? Because if that's the case, you start to lose credibility with your staff because then they roll their eyes when, when you say, oh, I've got this new stuff we want to roll out. They don't want to engage in the process with you. They're, they're worried it's just going to create you know, more work for them. So that is a big part of it. Um, I would say a couple of different things. You know, we definitely, you know, whether it be going to the NBA or technology conference, talking to our peers, that's one area where Dave Not- Robnett really excels, as you know, through his connections through people like yourself and many others in the industry. Word of mouth is, is just so critical. The Mortgage Collaborative, you know, I know he's involved in that and just hearing yep. what people are using. Are they having success with it? Do they like it? And, and even if it has shortcomings, tell me what they are so I, I know if I can isolate them or if it's not going to be something we can overcome. And a lot of it is identifying right up front. You know, I always tell, you know, any new vendor that I'm signing an agreement with or before I sign the agreement, you know, I would rather you 
underestimate all the things you can do and just, you know, tell me your SLA is eight days when it's really one day, then the opposite. Because it's, if it's ever the opposite, I immediately start questioning everything. So we try and be super thorough upfront as to what are we, what are we going to get out of this? How much time are we going to have to put into it? Because like everyone, I'm sure you're the same. Everyone has a limited amount of attention span and bandwidth that they can apply yeah. to something new. And if it's not super easy and intuitive to use, we just tend to lose motivation for it. Yeah, that that's such a great point. I mean, there's things, some things we're wed to, and I think it's keeping an open mind, which really gets me into the really the last question that I want to ask you today. And it's what excites you about your group there at Celebrity and Midwest? You do have an awesome group. I mean, how first of all, how have you done that? How have you managed that through all the acquisitions you have done? And how will you manage it moving forward? How do you keep that culture, Pete? It's a great question. And I'm actually, we, we just had our, what Mr. Rabnett called our mastermind conference in Scottsdale, where he brought all the division leaders together, branch managers, regional managers, some of our higher level corporate folks together for a couple of days in Scottsdale. And I left there even more excited about our group. And the reason is we're not all the same. You know, we don't all do business the same, but what we do share are two common things, uh, is two common threads I kind of saw with every group. And number one was every single one of them is trying to be the best. Now, we all know whether they end up being the best in their mind or rated by others yep. is, you know, <laughs> you know, somewhat irrelevant. But that's their goal. They're not just doing loans. They are actually, there is a, uh, a purpose to, to their work, as Shane Day would say, an intentionality to what they are doing every single day. And number two, I think what we really felt coming out of that was kind of like what I said earlier about if you're not rubbing, you're not racing. Everyone is very comfortable saying to each other, okay, I could see where you're coming from, but have you ever thought about this? And we're constantly challenging each other to get better. You know, That's the, my other favorite expression is iron sharpens iron. And yep. it, it's, it's truly manifests itself in our group because people are constantly, you know, just pushing each other a little bit and a little bit more to make sure are we doing it right? They're doing this. We should do that. What about this idea? Um, and it's been pretty fun to see it play out. And I, you know, it's funny, a year plus now uh, with Mr. Robnett, and I, you know, there were many times that he'll tell you early where I challenged him on things because I didn't see what he saw. And then three months later, six months later, it all played out. And I would say to him, damn, yeah, I mean, you really had the vision for that. And it, it's funny now when he, when he brings <laughs> things up that I am like, oh, my word, I, I cannot believe you're even saying that. Like, no way. Now I bite my tongue a little bit and think, you know, this is probably one of those things that I may regret six months from now. And I'll say, you were right again. But that goes back to his vision of understanding, you know, this will work if we do it the right way. And that's definitely one of the most exciting things for me. Yeah, one of the things, I mean, you went back to that statement that you attributed to me, and that's, if you ain't rubbing, you ain't racing. That actually came from uh, my good buddy and uh, someone who will join us eventually someday on the podcast, and that's Jack Nunnery up in Dallas who runs Texas Capital Bank. That's where that came from. And then the, as iron sharpeneth iron, so does a friend the countenance of a friend or the wisdom of a friend. That's out of Proverbs 27, 
17 for those that want to look that up. It's good wisdom there because the principle is unless you're wanting to get in and exchange ideas, I mean, rub against each other, I disagree. And that's one of the things I love about David. You can commit, come to him with an idea as long as you do so respectfully and in a manner which is creates the culture that you guys are creating there. You can challenge each other. But there's also times I watch David go, you know what? That's a really good idea. I did that several times with him. I challenged him on something. He goes, it's it's reasonableness. And that's the key to companies, a collaborative approach where reasonableness rules and reigns. That's absolutely excellent. Man, Pete, I could have you on and talk talk about this topic. One of the big questions a lot of people are going to say, how much are you guys paying for companies? I tell everybody, you know what? Get engaged in the conversation. It's so much more than just about the money. Would you agree with that statement, Pete? Absolutely. Absolutely. There's there's one thing that I'm sure Alice would attest to is, you know, the, the, the purchase price up front, which is not our MO, but, you know, that that's going to come and go. What If you yeah. have a company that is truly, you know, a, a profit center, what we're going to do for you, our, our goal is to help you make that so efficient that your margin is better than it's ever been. And much like you have, you know, your profit doctor, that's one of the things that, you know, that we really focus in on is in our P&L model, let us yep. help you find every little differentiator within your P&L to make yourself a better business. And that's really the focus of what we do with the groups. Yeah. And then also, I mean, it's, it's also you give, in many cases, you give an upside uh, after the acquisition, which I love too. That's one of David's ideas. I, I love the, the whole concept of what you're doing, Pete. I encourage people to get a hold of you. We're out of time. So how can people get a hold of you? What's the best way for them to get a hold of Pete Gabrione? It's easy. It's Pete at MidwestEquity.com. We are still in the middle of transitioning. You know, at some point we're going to transition everything over to uh, Celebrity Financial. But because Midwest is still the licensed entity, it's Pete at MidwestEquity.com. Very good. Appreciate it, Pete. Thanks so much for being here. Say hi to your whole team. I love the executive team there. And so many people I've met beyond that are just outstanding. And kudos to RobNet for having a vision that you all have brought bought into and most importantly, having some really good success. I encourage you to check it out. Check out their website. What is the website, by the way? Is it still Midwest Equity Mortgage or is it Celebrity? Which one should uh, we send them to? There, There is actually a new website, which is CelebrityHomeLoan.com. All right. Encourage them. So we've got the website changed over. Takes time to do all this. Thanks so much for being with us this week, Pete. Great really talk. appreciate it. Great talking with you. Thank you so much, David. Yeah, it's been great having you. Folks, share this conversation with others, this interview. It's one of those things that's so important. You see what's going on in merchants' acquisitions. Say, well, I'm not interested in selling. Well, if it's in the back of your mind, you may want to talk to Pete just to get some ideas. He'll share with it. That's what I love about these guys. It's not about doing every deal. It's doing the right deals and being a help to others out there. That's what I love about David Robnett. He's just a, he's a giving kind of, he's that book, Givers and Takers, a Give and Take, uh, several books on this topic. It's one of my favorite books. And it's so important that you find out and get connected to the givers. That's what David Robnett is. That's what the whole team is there. Appreciate you being here and listening to another podcast from Lickin' on Lending. Hope you have a great week. A special thank you to our sponsors, Black Knight, Open Mortgage, Finastra, MBA, Lenders One, The Mortgage Collaborative, CMLA, The Velma, as well as KnowledgeCoop and Vidyard and AI Assist. Folks, thanks so much for being here and being a part of the podcast this week. Share it with others. Look forward to having you back here next week. 
You've been listening to Lickin on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update with your host, David Lickin of Transformational Mortgage Solutions. Join us next week, and thanks for listening.